Welcome back, everybody. HSC Podcast 66. I think we're at 66. Wow. Getting up there. Got Big Box Steve on the mic. Big Smooth there. And uh, today we got a great podcast for you. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and like. I appreciate the comments and uh, all the listens on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor. And if you're watching us YouTube, again, hit that notification bell. You see our new ones. And uh, I'm without the, the beard. It's a little weird. A little weird. No, no beard on Big Buck Steve. And then the spider bite's gotten better too. So yeah, that's good. You got that wedding. Well, yeah, I, I did shave for the wedding, but I don't know. And this is a little off topic, but maybe you're listening and dude, if you ever had to drain a spider bite, it's bad. No, nope, never had to do that. That sounds yeah, good. Yeah, well, it like swelled up so bad up in my eye and it like hardened. And like it was hard. Mm. And I was like, okay, I can't just like let it keep swelling and get hard. So I had to stick a needle in there. And then like just it just oozed out. It was like it was disgusting, dude. It was like <laughs> and it hurt like a son of a gun for a long time. So you guys are wondering what going on in my face again still a spider bite <laughs> all right well we're gonna jump into uh podcast today we got some good topics but before we just jump in real quick don't want to spend a bunch of time on it denver nuggets win the nba championship in five like i think we all said <laughs> like we all talked about winning in five um I, what, what do you feel about it you know what well they were the best team all year even though they had an easier way to get to the playoffs they didn't have to face really any top seeds but they were the best team so they deserved it it's kind of cool to see the nuggets win a championships first ever yeah right that i mean that's one of the coolest parts um i think jokic winning the championship helps a lot Oh, no, because D-back Skip Bayless already today was saying how Embiid is still better than him. Right, right. The guy who averaged a triple-double throughout the playoffs and won the championship and multiple-time MVP should have won another one. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't think Miami had enough for them. I think Denver is too solid of a team. But Jokic, every game came to play. I mean, even Butler, who plays better in the playoffs than he normally does, you know. He was hurt, and he wasn't the same. He willed them to the finals, and I think he just ran out of gas. Yeah. Which, it's amazing that Jokic never runs out of gas. This dude plays every game, all all minutes. And, uh, man... And, I, and I've heard multiple, you know, it's funny is you hear like Skip Bayless and like J.J. Reddick and like Kendrick Perkins who are, and uh, Stephen A. Smith, like these are the the normal faces right now on ESPN, right? You see them all the time. And they got all kinds of things to say, right? Like Embiid, about Embiid and about Jokic and all those things. But then you hear guys like 
Tracy McGrady, Michael Jordan, you know, uh, Kevin Garnett, like all these old school players, like Jokic is the best player in the world right now. Right. So who am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to T-Mac? Who's the Stephen A. Smith? Right. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's mostly, it's become, <laughs> you know, it's just the world of clicks. So how do you get clicks? You can't just say Joe Jokic is the best. You got to right. make a, a ridiculous statement to be like, ooh, so people tune in. Right. And that's the issue. And that's the, the problem is, is it's like, you know, like ESPN and stuff, they don't report anymore. They just try to make up content. Yeah, the, so the, the, like, the CNN of sports. Yeah. They like, yeah, the whole... Like, how long do we have to hear about Aaron Rodgers? Or, you know, it's like they drag drama, and that's what they want. I mean, the whole Lamar Jackson thing, too. Like, they did that for so long, and, like, trying to, like, bring him down for wanting to be his own agent and things like that. Well, yeah, they do that, and then later they're like, oh, the NFL's racist because they're not going to sign Lamar Jackson. Right, right. And then it's like, (laughs) Make up your mind, you people. It's like, come on. I mean, we won't talk too much NBA because we got some good topics tonight, but uh, I'm happy to see Denver win it. I'm happy that Jokic got the championship because I think he deserves it. I think he's played better than anybody else over the last three years. And he deserves a championship and he deserves the respect, you know, so – and it's funny too is remember then the center is back because you've got Jokic and Embiid who've been the MVP the last three years. Remember how the whole store right, right. was it's the eighties and nineties, you know, the center was the big thing. Now we don't need a center. Well, look. Yeah. Look what happens when, when you have a great center. Yeah. And Jokic, even though he gets a lot of assists, like he's still a true center, you know. Right. Physically, you know, the way he plays, like, you know, there, I mean, he pat, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I used to love the way Shaq passed the ball. You know, I think uh, Jokic is probably a little bit better. He takes a little more chances on his passes, but I think they pass similar. You know, so I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, I think Jokic plays a true center game. Mm-hmm. And it opens up the whole court. Right, you have a true center, you can't guard one on one. You have to double. The, I mean, but the shooting the threes like he does is nuts. Not not because it's it's bad. It's because dude hits so many threes with people right. in his face and off one foot, and he's just a true shooter. So it, it's it's fun to watch him, and I'm glad they won. So that wraps up the NBA season. Gets us more closer to the NFL. Still a few months away. Uh, But we did recently have the draft. So we're going to talk about uh, rookies. We didn't talk. We we talked about the draft. We talked about what we we did our draft picks. But now that we see, you know, where everybody's gone and they've had a little bit of OTAs and mini camps. uh, What's. We'll, we'll talk about offense, talk about defense. 
what's one rookie that you think is going to break out or people should watch or, you know, who, who, who do you have your eye on offensively? I'm very boring with mine. And that's going to be Bryce Young. I think he's going to come in right away, start for the Panthers. Frank Reich is there. The NFC South is not right now. It's the Saints to win, but the Panthers are there. I just feel like if Bryce Young can come in and play well, it's he's going to easily win the um, Rookie of the Year. Yeah, that's hard to argue with because I think he, as much as people don't want to believe he's the prototypical NFL quarterback, like he's in the best situation. Right. If you look at everybody and I think, you know, Bryce Young is probably easiest pick here. And I I would normally pick him and I'm not going to pick him because you just did. And so I'm going to go with B. John Robinson. The reason I'm going to go with B. John Robinson is because I think as the season progresses, he's going to show what he's capable of. And I think he'll split carries early in the season, but I think that will change later in the season to him getting more of the carries. And yeah. it'll be a hard, it'll be hard for him to catch Bryce Young as the rookie of the year. Um, statistically, just because Bryce Young will start from the beginning. Uh, I think the Panthers have done a lot to bolster the team for him. Um, they got some young guys. They got, you know, a couple good free agents. Even losing DJ Moore, I don't think they lost a bunch with what they added. And then they got, you know, Chuba Hubbard, which I think is a great running back. I think uh, you give him the ball a lot and you do a lot of play action. So, Bryce Young would would also be my number one, but since you picked him, I'd say B. J. or B. John Robinson's probably your next next best bet, right? Oh yeah, I mean, if anytime you draft a running back in the top ten, you're gonna have to better you better give him the ball, right? I mean, although look at the Falcons drafting Kyle Pitts in the first in top five and then not getting him the ball, so we'll see, but. I think, yeah, he should be. I don't even think he should split carries. He just needs to get the ball right away. I mean, yeah. That, that but I they think do have Algier. That's the problem is Algier had a good season not getting a lot of touches. Right. Right. And so you can't just omit that. Like, you have to say, you, you got to recognize that. And you got to make Bijan prove it. Because what if they split carries and Bijan has, you know, a three yard per carry, you know? Oh, not well, good. Yeah, exactly. So now you're like, well, maybe we'll just keep splitting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if he comes out and he goes for four and a half or five yards per carry, now, now you start bulking him, right? And so um, my, my honorable mention at this point would be CJ Stroud if – if he can win this quarterback battle with Davis Mills, and because some people think that it's a lock, but it's not. Right. Like Davis Mills is legitimate, still could start for this team. 
Like until you come out of camp, like you don't know who's starting for them. Right. But what I do think is that who does start for them, especially if it's CJ, he has a chance to have a good season. So he's kind of my dark horse in that, in that sense. Well, mine would be the other quarterback who's so raw, but is going to get thrown into the fire and that's Richardson. Right. They're going to say, here you go. Even though he needs <laughs> a year to learn, but with him and Taylor there, he could put up, he could be like a Justin Fields. You know? Right. Right. It, yeah. I think he's, that the, the the issue I think with Richardson is is I do believe he needs a year or two. And maybe that's just me and I don't know. Because, you know, like nobody knows. But if if I'm the coach, I lean on Jonathan Taylor this year. Right? And mm-hmm. so that limits Richardson's touches. So to win like an or a, a offensive rookie of the year that's tough with limited touches he could just throw 100 yard passes <laughs> right he'll, he'll just go back he'll, he'll get 300 yards a game completing three 100 yard passes a game uh I, I mean i do like what indianapolis did or yeah what they did in the off season um but they lost Pittman, right i think so yeah yeah so so Pittman went to where do you go giants Here, hang on a second. Let me pause for a second. Wait, no, he's... Is this up to date? Let me give a quick pause there. I'll be right back. Zoom. Uh, They do have Pittman still. They got Alec Pierce. They got got Isaiah McKenzie from Buffalo. A good slot. Yeah, that was a good addition, Isaiah McKenzie. You forgot, man, your favorite, Josh Downs. Right, right. They did get Josh. Uh, Who did the Giants get? Why am I thinking Pittman went to the Giants got somebody? Well, they got Waller. Let's see here. Uh, I swear they got somebody. I don't know why I thought it was Pittman. They didn't really get anyone good. Well, they and they lost one of their best receivers to Kansas City. Yeah, they got. Oh, that they got Paris Campbell is. The oh, Colt Paris player. Campbell is the Colt player they got. Okay, yeah, right, yeah. So it, it was a Colt. It just wasn't Pittman. It was Paris Campbell. Um, so you kept Pittman. That's great. And then you add Isaiah McKenzie. That's real great. And you mm-hmm. have Josh Downs. Uh, so yeah, I mean, may, maybe Richardson does come off pretty well. That's going to be an in- the Souths are both going to be interesting because I think they're hmm. wide open. Obviously, Jacksonville has the huge edge right now in the AFC South, but you never know with the Souths. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens to Jacksonville. I'm not sold on Trevor Lawrence yet, but I, I do think he they put good weapons around him, which I think really helped. And I think Travis Etienne is uh, going to really come into his own in the next mm-hmm. couple of years. 
I think he's a better player than Trevor Lawrence. Like if you if you told me like you got to pick one of these two on your team, I'd take ETN. So, yeah, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, of course, quarterbacks. We, I think we both agree on Bryce Young being probably your your offensive impact player. Um, but I do think Bijan Robinson is someone to look at as well. Um, any like super dark horses that you thought about as you're you're looking at this? The only one, and it is like a super dark horse, and just because would be Michael Mayer, right? Because they trade away Waller, Garoppolo likes his security blankets, and. Mare's like a baby Gronk type thing, even though now you got the kid known as baby Gronk. I don't know. Right, if right. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, it's a beast. Like that would be a huge dark horse and he's a tight end. So that's hard with. <laughs> well, I think the I the reason I was looking at the Giants is because Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt went there. Right. right? And yeah. mm-hmm. that's who I thought would be a dark horse because of the loss you know, of their receivers. And I don't, I don't think Slayton is the best receiver in the world. You know, I don't think bringing the Paris Campbell helps you a bunch. And I think Hyatt has a chance uh, with a, uh, a dysfunctional running game. And the fact that, you know, you just pissed off Saquon. So like, what are you really going to get out of him this year? So Jalen Hyatt was going to be my like dark horse there. I can see that. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so defensively, defensive rookies, like who do you see? Uh, I'll go first on this one. She went first, last one. Uh, I think the surprise of the draft, which I think is probably one of the best drafts of all of defensive players, was Tyree Wilson. Uh, not typically a big fan of Raiders drafts, but uh, I think when when you put him opposite of Crosby, you're going to put him in a ton of one-on-one situations. And I think he was undervalued because of his injury. I think physically and the way he plays the game, he's as good as any edge rusher that came out of the draft. Well, and then he can play inside too. So they right. could because he's a big dude. So they couldn't put out both Crosby, Chandler Jones, and him out there right. at the same time pass rushing. Right. You can't double team all of them. Right. I, I think the, the reason I think Tyree Wilson is going to have a good season is because he's going to get a lot of one on one situations. Right. Which it that's healthy for a young, good defensive player. But when you have the physical ability that he has, I don't care who you are. You don't want to go one-on-one with a guy like that. And so even though I love Will Anderson, I think my, my bet for who, who who could have a breakout season will be Tyree Wilson. Right. Yeah. Cause we're not talking about the best. We're talking about who has the best opportunity. Right. Exactly. And that's why I'm going with, um, Devin Weatherspoon, oh, yeah, Seahawks. Same thing because, uh, you know, you're going opposite of a, of a corner who just had an amazing season, yeah. And right. he just 
like watching his tape, it was just like, oh my gosh, that dude is a monster out there. And I think he fits with the Legion of Boom type mentality. Right. So I think he will make a lot of plays because he'll have a lot of opportunities because they're going to shy away from the other side. Right. Of course they are because he had, uh, why can't I remember his name? Tariq Wollard. Yeah. Roland. He had six interceptions, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, come on, you know, what are you gonna do? You gonna throw at him now? Right. Right. So who are you gonna throw at? You're gonna throw at Witherspoon, which gives him a chance to make plays on the ball, gain confidence. And uh Witherspoon was close to being my number one. I it was I was back and forth between them two. Um, and I think Witherspoon has the opportunity, I think you're right. I think he could easily be defensive rookie of the year. Um, with that said, I think we're both on the same page there. Uh, any other dark horses, same thing, like any other defensive players that stuck out that maybe didn't make quite as uh, an impression as Witherspoon? And... Well, I'm going Homer again because that's what I've been reading a bunch of, and that's uh, Jacorian Bennett. He's oh, really? He's been running with the first team for the Raiders. Right. And so, like we said with Witherspoon, you put someone out there opposite of Nate Hobbs, he's probably going to get targeted a lot. And so that's how you find out how good they are not. So I'm looking at him. He's, he ran like a 4-3-1. And so... Yeah, no, I could see that. I could see that for sure. My my, I don't think it's not a huge dark horse, but I think Joey Porter Jr. Okay. has a good chance to make an impact immediately. Um, I think he goes in there with that mindset. I mean, you go and get to play where your dad played. There, there's a different kind of like emotion that goes along with that. There, I think instantly he's you have respect that you wouldn't normally have as a rookie from the franchise. Well- He's got a chip on his shoulder, too, because he should have been a first-round pick. Well, yeah, so now that's the second part, right? Second part is I believe Joey Porter Jr. is as good as any of the top corners. Um, He may have different skills, right? He may not be the same as what I think he does well. I think he sees the ball better than most. And that's because I, I think – I think he's been around football his whole life, you know? Right. And so I think, I think his, his uh, intuitiveness, you know, his, his instinct for the game is really good. And sometimes it's all it takes. Sometimes all it takes is just to have great instinct for the game. So he would be my dark horse when I'd say uh, on top of where I think Tyree Wilson will probably make the most impact. I think Joy Porter Jr. would be someone to watch for. I do agree with the Witherspoon. I think Witherspoon's great. Um, but I think it's expected for him to be great. All right. So, uh, so NFL rookies, who to watch out for? Don't worry, we'll come back with fantasy stuff uh, in the next, you know, few episodes because that's what we'll get into. Can't wait for football season. Speaking of sports, of uh, overall, I think this is one of my favorite topics that we've had. Uh, we're going to talk about top five sports moments. And 
you know what's interesting about this is like defining what's a sports moment too because as i was looking a lot of this you're like what's truly a moment what is a, a moment but then like everything's a moment when you think about it so then i lumped everything back in because i was like yeah everything's a moment the moment you win like the moment you step on the field the moment you do whatever you're doing right that's a moment and there's so many like this could be a topic for like hours mm. i mean I, I couldn't i was dropping off sports moments where i was like no try to get down to five like it was impossible right right so here we go top five sports moment hsc podcast uh, why don't you lead off, Derek? You're number five. Okay, so with mine, I'm a little bit different as these are all ones that I've watched in per not like not being there, but I've watched on TV while it happened. So then it gave me that visceral feeling of like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And and it gave me the memories. And so the first one, even though I hated it, but it was the 1992. Christian Leitner buzzer beater. Oh man, so good. Yeah, I had such a hard time taking that one off because 1992, what were we doing? Like, you know, Stephen's favorite team was Duke. My favorite team was North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Like, we were watching that game. Like, it was crazy. The throw, I mean, <laughs> the pass into Leitner was amazing. And then just was like, oh my gosh. So, for those that don't know, like, just break it down for them. I think it was what Thomas. Was it? was it Thomas Hill that was threw it in? I, I think Thomas Hill threw it in, yeah. Yeah. It was the lead eight, so, and then um, Carolina was up. And they had to go full court with less than, there had to be, like, only, like, two seconds left or something. Yeah, there's, like, 2.5, 2. 2.8, yeah. something like that. And then, yeah, Thomas Thomas Hill throws a baseball pass to right about the free throw line. Leitner the does, other free throw line. Yes, the other free throw line across the whole court. Leitner does a little dribble and then... Catches it with his back to the basket, too. Yes. Which that's a... It, like, if you play a basketball, like, you know, that's hard to, like, find your bearings in that short period of time. Yeah. Turns so, around, knocks down the shot, wins the game. Steve gets upset. Oh, it's horrible. But at the same time, it was legit. Like that, that I will never forget that moment. Right. Never. And it definitely fits into top sports moments. So uh so I went a little bit different than you did because. I had Christian Leitner on there. I took him off the list. Because there's some things when I look at sports moments, you know, we talked about this earlier, but there's some things that were very iconic and you look back on and you know, like, I'm not the biggest baseball fan. I don't watch a ton of baseball. I used to. Like, it's it's not like I don't, never. But today, I just don't watch a lot these days. And so I used to be a big baseball fan. King Gary Jr., my favorite baseball player ever. But this is a, a Hank Aaron moment. 
So my number five is when Hank Aaron breaks the home run record. And it's not just because I didn't see it, because I have seen it a hundred times. Mm-hmm. The, the right? guy, the fan is running with him. and Right. But how many videos have we seen of that as right. we grew up? And so I feel like I saw it, even though it was so long ago. But there's so many cool things around Hank Aaron breaking the record. You know, and it's not just maybe it's, it is kind of like, hey, you know, a black guy broke the record, but it's right. also like the record was broken. And it's also like that's an amazing record, too. Like it was so many home runs. And uh, and so for me, that that was a huge that's a huge baseball moment. And so being not now the biggest baseball fan but watching a lot of baseballs growing up i think that one sticks out the most in my mind and he wasn't on steroids when he did it so well and that's why i dropped off barry bonds even though barry bonds 71 was top it was it was in the top what 15 or 20 um because that's amazing right but there is that asterisk, you know, <laughs> that he's always going to have, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, it's too bad because uh, he would have still would have been a Hall of Famer if he wouldn't have done him. Oh, of course he would have. He mean, wouldn't have dude, been the greatest a, ever, but. He was a 40-40 guy regardless, yeah. you know. And so it's like, dude, that's good enough, right? But still 71 amazing. Yeah. It's amazing, so. But he it dropped off, and so that's that's my my number five. Uh, so I'll lead off number four here, and and this is it's a moment, but it is a full thing. And again, this it's my childhood. It's I've watched so many documentaries and so much stuff on this my whole life, and it's Rumble in the Jungle. It's Muhammad Ali, George Foreman. It just doesn't get any better than that, right? And not only that, it was like it's a it's amazing, and then it's world renowned, right? That's the thing about it. It's like you ask like somebody in Nigeria about Christian Leitner hitting <laughs> a free throw line in the Elite right. Eight. They're like, "Don't you talk about?" It. You're like, "Rumble in the jungle." They're like, "Yes." Uh, so it, it's it is it's worldwide it's forever and it's Muhammad Ali like the greatest boxer of all time and then you put in George Foreman in there right right young, young George Foreman right a young hard-hitting George Foreman and at that time everybody thought George Foreman was gonna win everybody thought you know and so again you're talking about a whole boxing match but there's a, a moment when they when you say rumble in the jungle stuff on there that's number four for me my number four was it's a sad number four for because it was a, a failure but it's wide right buffalo bills losing the super bowl oh, last second field goal by scott norwood and then they burnt down his house and they made like you know Ace Ventura was basically the character was Scott Norwood, right? I mean, 
I see where you're going with these, though, because I remember that like it's yesterday. Like, I can still see it. I can still see him missing the field goal. Right. And that's where it's like, you're like, oh, my gosh. Even though he... I feel bad for Norwood because it wasn't even like it is now. Back then, he that field goal wasn't easy. Right. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a different part in sports. But still, like, geez. And you know what the big thing about that one is? It's because Buffalo, you know, couldn't get the Super Bowl. And that was and the that, first one. Right. But that would have been a, how different would it have been mm-hmm. if he makes that field goal? Maybe they went four in a row instead of right. losing four in a row. Yeah. You never know. Right. Yeah. That was a big one. Um, but man, did that guy get some serious hate? Oh, he did. But he got serious love too. Cause if you watch the, uh, 30 for 30 on them. Yeah. A lot of the Buffalo fans were like rallied around it. Well, they shouldn't have burned down his house then. <laughs> Did they really burn down? <laughs> they, they really burned, burned down his house. Dude, his, his house was burnt down. I don't know about that. <laughs> Look, Might be an urban legend. It, it could be, but. But I heard it, so it must be true. Mm-hmm. It was on the internet. <laughs> it's on the internet. Brooklyn said that today. She's like, it was on the internet. And I was like, oh, that means it's true. She's like, of course. Of course it's true. That's, that's what our kids are doing these days. They're uh, they believing the internet. <laughs> Yeah, nothing about <laughs> Scott Nordwood's house burning down. <laughs> well, well, we'll all find it. I'll show it to you later. <laughs> what? What's your number three? Number three is another football one, and it's just because oh. uh, for me, just you know, Montana to Taylor. Oh man! Okay. The drive driving down. Yeah. The Winning the Super Bowl against the Bengals. What year is that? Is that 95? No. The Super Bowl 23. I didn't know what. It would have been 95. Because it was before the Bills Super Bowls. This is why we need West here. 89. Jesus. God, we're getting old. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I remember watching that, and that drive was amazing. Yeah. I remember that Super Bowl also because it was – I remember Tim Crumry breaking his leg on, like, the first or second play. Right. And then it had been, like, 30 minutes before the game got back going, and it was – But you felt like Cincinnati had a chance to win that game. Mm-hmm. But that drive, and dude, then, that that last drive, that drive was amazing. And like, then I, I just think, love the 
the quote they talked about when they were in the huddle and Montana is like getting ready to start the drive and he looks over and he goes, Hey, look, I think I see John Candy over on the sidelines. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, so Joe cool. Like, yeah, we're going to go down and win the game, but Hey, look, but the, the throw to Taylor is so on the money, you know, I don't think people understand how hard that throw is to make, you know, throwing that short skinny post like that. That's tough. It's a tough throw. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great moment. And if you're a 49ers fan, like you love it. Yeah. Yeah. So my number three and so back, you know, to what you're talking about, like ones we did see, uh, mine's 2008 Olympics. It's Michael Phelps. This dude wins six medals, mm-hmm. four golds, two silvers in the Olympics. It's just, it's historical. It's amazing. Like you're, I, I don't, ever think I've ever wanted to watch swimming so much in my life because you just want to see him dominate dude and just just go crazy and uh at, I mean to this day I don't think there is a I mean there's a lot of good Olympic performances so I won't I won't say it's the best ever because now you're gonna like talk about people been Olympics for a long time. Right. But I will say in my lifetime, watching that and seeing Michael Phelps, and then obviously his career is amazing after that. But I don't, I I don't ever recall anybody seeing anybody dominate swimming like that. I mean, you saw Luke Gaines do it in diving, but doing it in swimming, it was amazing. Well, I hate to be a, bearer but mark spitz won seven gold medals in the second no, nick I, I that's i didn't say he, i didn't say he won more than anybody else i said the way oh, he did it right. the way he dominated was amazing um and you know I, it, you can't argue mark spitz is one of the greatest ever well and you were it was phelps won eight golds in 2008 oh it was eight golds Yes. Jesus. So, so he, he did more he Spitz. Did beat Spitz by one gold. Now, he, you know, they had crazy. relays, but yeah, he had eight golds. Oh, yeah, those were individual. You're right. So you're counting the relay golds, too. I was talking about individual, but yes, you include his relays. Yeah, he... Well, because he was the anchor he on... He killed those. it. He yeah. killed it, though. I'm just, I was talking individual, but yes, when you talk about relays and, and team ones, yeah, he killed it. Um, but still, it's such an amazing, like, dude, look what this guy did for his Olympic career. You look at Michael Phelps' Olympic medal career, that's nuts. Yeah, he had, let's see here. Was it 19? 20, 23 golds, Jesus. three silvers, and two bronze in the Olympics. Just the Olympics. 20, 23, three, and two? Yeah. 
So this dude won 28 medals. 28. You know how much anybody would just die to have one medal? Yeah. This dude won 28. And what was he in 2008? 16? I don't know. 18? Like, like he was super young. So for me, that was one of the, the most amazing Olympic performances that I've ever seen. Well, and then to put it in perspective, and I know he had issues off off of it, but you have to say that Ryan Lochte was the second best swimmer, right? Right. And he, in his career, won 12 medals. Right, right. Well, and he was an amazing swimmer. Yeah. But like you said, Spitz won seven in one in one Olympics too, you know. Right. And what Greg Lucanus, right? Dude, he won a ton. <laughs> but you know, the the Olympics is hard for me because there's so many great Olympians. Right. But I just think that like I don't know, my opinion is Michael Phelps did it better. Than almost anybody. Yes. I mean, it's hard to argue. I mean, obviously, it's the most medals. I'm just saying the way he dominated, the way he did things. Yeah. The only thing I mean, and this was a tandem, but it was um, the beach volleyball girls. They dominated. Um, Carrie Walsh. Oh, oh Car- yeah. Carrie Walsh and uh, uh, trainer. trainer. Yeah. Misty May yeah. trainer. Misty May trainer. Yep. No, oh, yeah. They, they killed it. They dominantly, but yeah, Phelps though did it for so many. Right, medals. but you're talking about them getting one Three. medal, yeah, a year or, or an Olympics, right? Right, exactly. Dude's getting eight in yes. one <laughs> in one year, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's amazing. So that's my number three. What do you got at three? Uh, I did three was Montana to Taylor. Oh, you started three. That's right. Okay. So let's go to two. Oh, man. So this is a tough one. I can't believe I have this at two, but I do have it at two, which is Michael Jordan, Utah Jazz, Hitting that shot, you know, it's the flu game, obviously, but it's just a shot. It, I don't think it defines Michael Jordan's career, but I think it just shows, you know, how good he is and, like, the game he had, given that, whether he had, you know, flu or not, who cares, right? He had a great game. He steps up when it's needed to his time. And I think he's just an iconic shot in his career. And so Utah Jazz against, what's his name, Brian? Uh, Byron Russell. Byron Russell, yeah. Just nails that shot. That That's my number two moment, because I'll never forget that. Right. I had, you know, I wanted to put that on my list. But then I kept thinking about, the one that was more iconic, but I still didn't put it on us because that wasn't in, in yeah the, the Cleveland game. Yeah, the Cleveland one was the more iconic, right. but that was in the Eastern Conference. 
championship. So, um, but the Jazz that was for the win. That was for the win. It's for the championship. Yeah, that one was a close one. I I I wanted to, but my number two going to one of my loves, and I know you're like you said aren't big in it right now, but in the eighties. Man, for me, baseball was king. Miracle Mets. No, it's not that. Oh, no? Oh, man. It's It's not you to go for it. It's uh, Kurt Gibson's home run. Oh, okay. Off of Dennis Eckersley. Off having one leg, pretty much, because he was (laughs) injured. And walking around the base pass, going like this. Right, right. Um for the Dodgers in the 88 World Series. That to me is very iconic. Just him just even going around the base paths the way he did. And winning the game off of Eckersley too. Yeah, I remember that. You know, it's that's another I mean because you know you you picked everything that we know we remember and that's great. Because everything you said you know you're talking about it's like I see that. I can still see it in my head. And so, and that was great, you know, but there's so many great baseball moments. So baseball right. was the hardest for me because I didn't want to have too many baseball. Right. So I, I tried to like mix it up a little bit. And just since we're talking about baseball, like, let's talk about like Jackie Robinson stepping on the field for the first time. Yeah. Like what's, what's more iconic than that? The Lou Gehrig speech. <laughs> okay. That's pretty good too. Um, but that's the thing. It's like there's so many. Right. You know, and it's really, it's, and that's a great one too. Or uh, Carlton Fisk, you know, I mean, come mm-hmm. on, dude. It, it just, it, there's, there, it, there is, there are so many, but that's a great one, you know. And again, it's, it's recent enough that we can see it. We, we recognize it. <laughs> And I can see. I I really thought you'd be going for the Miracle Mets, though. Mm-hmm. Thought you were a Mets Mets fan too. I know you're a Dodgers fan, but yeah. <laughs> All right, number one, number one, the 1986 World Series Game Six <laughs> Mets. That is the greatest. Uh, see, I knew, I knew you're gonna do it. <laughs> Greatest moment in my sports watching life. Watching the game, I remember, you know, it was 1986, so it's not like the TVs were the greatest. Right. Sitting, sitting there and watching the game like this and being down, you know, two runs in the ninth inning with two outs. And they go in and win the game. Right. It's amazing. It's one of the most crazy things that ever happened. Right. And then there's a great 30 for 30. It's like six episodes long about it. Well, it, it I mean, it's iconic. Like, it's in movies. It's in 30 for 30. Like, it's in everybody's mind. And... The reason I didn't have it in there in mine is because I had to, I decided, I didn't have to, I decided to choose only one baseball. Right. 
And it was hard for me not to choose Hank Aaron. Uh, but it's, yeah, that, that's that's amazing. And I thought you were going to do it. You, like, threw me off, so. <laughs> it was, that will always be my number one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I knew it was going to be, and I was like, what do you mean it's not? Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. And so I'm really disappointed Wes isn't here because my number one, I know Wes would probably agree with. And it's dude, the Dolphins, 72 Dolphins going undefeated and winning the Super Bowl. 17 and 0. It's what's crazy is the Patriots got there and then they lose. And so you're like, hey, this could be possible. A wild card lose. team, right? Right. But it, it, it could have been anybody. But when you get there and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's possible to have an undefeated season. And then you lose. You're like, nope. Uh, and I, I just don't believe that any team will ever have an undefeated season again. I just don't believe it. Well, because I think like the most dominating season ever was your Bears. Right. They still then, lost the game. Yeah, also the Dolphins. And they like right. it was like they didn't play like themselves at all in that game. Because there's always going to be that game, right? There's always mm-hmm. going to be that game where and for the unfortunately if the Patriots happen in the, the Super Bowl, <laughs> but I just I, I it's it's one of those things where an undefeated season to me is one of the most amazing things that you can do. In sports. There's a lot of amazing things you can do in sports, but undefeated is so hard. Yeah. Because you're literally not losing to anybody. And I wish I could have saw it in person. I've, you know, watched it so many times on, you know, TV and and reenactments and sports and things like that and read about it, but. I just don't believe anybody's ever going to do it. So for me, that's got to be my number one sports moment. Going undefeated, winning the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, because it is crazy. The thing, like, I look at also, I'm not undefeated, but the Warriors beating the, you know, regular season record. and Right, breaking that Bulls record, right. Um, What was it? The Mariners getting, what was it? Uh, one of the top regular seasons and then not making it to the world series and winning that it's one of those where if you were great in the regular season you got to continue to do it right and well and that's the hard part is you get in the playoffs and it's like how do you how do you continue this through the playoffs Mm -hmm. so one of the other ones and i just want to the one of (laughs) tiger woods 97 Masters. This kid is like 21 years old. Coming into a sport, you know, and obviously, you know, a person of color doesn't really make a difference, but it's still iconic. But the fact, the way he plays and then goes out and wins by 12 strokes... And shoots like 21 under in the Masters. It's like, come on, man. 
that has to be one of the biggest break-ins to sports because then you know what Tiger Woods did after that, right? Like Tiger right. Woods is the most iconic golfer ever. So that's my honorable mention is Tiger Woods breaking into golf like he did in that Masters tournament and just being like, look, I'm here. What are you going to do about it? That one was amazing to me. That is amazing. My honorable mention is another disappointment. But it's Buster Douglas upsetting. Oh, man. That was huge. That was huge. I mean, Mike Tyson was the man that made people spend $50 on pay-per-views for like eight seconds. Right, right. But you know, like we all knew 100% Mike Tyson was winning that fight. You would have bet your life on it. The run that he had, like the pure dominance that Mike Tyson had. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. There's no way. I remember this too. Like, like it was yesterday. I was like, there is no way this dude is going to be Mike Tyson. No way. Right. That was that that's iconic in a different way for sure, but it's still iconic. Yeah. Because it basically that was the downfall of Tyson. Right. I mean the the true downfall though is when you you bite Holyfield's ear. Yeah. <laughs> like that's when you know you just lost it, dude. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just over. Cause there, there there's nothing more than like true. Like, I can't win. I can't do anything else. Right. Desperation, but to just bite your ear, dude. That's that's what you do when, like, you know, you can't win. Yep. So, but the Buster Douglas was crazy. Um, the second one I do want to mention before we move on to the next topic was the Will 100 point game. That one was tough because I have slight reservations about rules and things like that, what were happening back then, but still. Come was on, it televised man. at all? Have we even, there's yeah, no. He's like, can you prove it? <laughs> even if you can't prove it, like it happened because people would come up, but the goaltending rules were different, which changed the game, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that you score 800 in a game, that's crazy. Yes. That's crazy. So no the, the point the, line, nothing like that. that. Like the so the Wilt 100 was close for me. And well, and then of course Jackie Robinson was close for me. Um and that's that's crazy. Like that's iconic, right? First time. Mm-hmm. And because it's the first time for everything. So that was great. One of the hardest topics I think we ever covered. So that was a that was a tough one. And so let's get back into movies because we always got some movies in there for you too, for you guys that aren't the biggest sports fans. And this we'll one's for some, the ladies. We'll give you some movie stuff. And and I I mean it might be for the ladies, but I love a good rom com. So we're going to do Romantic Comedy's top five. 
surprisingly a very hard topic. Well, for me, it was hard because I thought of movies that I knew were comedies that had like a whole um, romance to it, too. And then I looked it up on IMDb and it doesn't didn't qualify as a rom- right. romantic comedy. So let's let's give the audience a caveat here is we use IMDb as our source. And so if it's not romance comedy, we can't use it. Yeah. Right. So for the, anybody listening to just understand it's IMDb's fault, not ours. <laughs> so uh but yeah, so if it's not and I had to take a few off my list the same way because what i did is i made a list and then i went to imdb and i vetted that list and i had to remove a bunch yep and then ended up with a still a big list which maybe means i watched too many romantic comedies uh but regardless let's get into hse podcast top five rom-coms I'll go first. Number five. Rom-coms. Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore. 50 First Dates. Uh, what makes that movie great? It is funny. I think Sean Austin plays a good part in there. And anything Dan Aykroyd is, is in, I'm a fan of. I think he plays a great doctor in that one. And, uh, it's actually one of those movies that I think Adam Sandler uh, plays a great part. I just love the beginning of it when he's playing the uh, the single dude, and then you know it, it turns into a great romantic comedy. So, um, gotta love it. Fifty First Dates, number five. I'm going with. And so preface, I didn't put any older movies. I mean, old as in older than me movies on here. And there is a ton that it could have been. Right. Uh, but I'm like 80s and on for most right. of them. I, I did the same thing. And so my number five is a teen romantic comedy cult classic, 16 Candles. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Man, it's, it's the, John... the Donger. <laughs> yeah. I love the Donger. <laughs> you know, you had the Geek. Anthony, Anthony Michael Hall, of course. Yeah. You had John Mom, Cusack as one of the geeks, too. Joan Cusack, and you had Molly Ringwald going after the the stud of the school who was with the pretty girl who had no personality. Right. The, the the prom queen yeah uh i tried so holly's never seen this movie and i tried to explain to her and not to ruin the movie for you who haven't seen it if you haven't seen it it's your own fault <laughs> it's it's so awesome that at the end or at the movie michael anthony hall ends up being with you know going right. home with the uh prom, the prom queen what's his name's girl you know that's it's just it's just great Jake, it's such a good Jake movie, Ryan. Jake. Yeah, Jake Ryan, and also Molly Ringwald is the Julia Roberts of the eighties, right? Like she's well, the rom com. She was the original choice for Pretty Woman, right? So it's like 
But yes, that was that was probably the change, right? That was a changing of the guard. Yeah, it was yes. Yeah, and and you gotta love it, right? Yeah. So I won't even. I'm gonna give my number four first again because there's no reason not to because it's 16 candles. And it's just hilarious. Like, it's so good. And they have the, the Asian guy, the donger, you don't know him. Like, long you're missing duck out. Dong. Long duck dong. And, uh, I mean, it, it's just, it's 80s. It's good. And I have to have something from back then in my list. Because there's other ones that, I took off that are older that I think are great, but I don't think they get much better than this because John Cusack and Michael Anthony Hall in this movie, like they're not even the stars, right? Right. So you got these incredible young actors who become, become very good actors later in their career making this movie so good. Mm-hmm. And then Joan Cusack too. She was right. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, not a huge fan of her, but she the part she plays fits her so well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but still, like, I I don't think you get much better than Sixteen Candles. So the reason I'm going to do it now is because you just did it. <laughs> Might as well get it out of the way. <laughs> so give us your four. Uh, my four is going to be one that you'll probably go, what? And uh, that is Chasing Amy. Oh, I knew you were going to be Chasing Amy. I 100% <laughs> knew you were going to be Chasing Amy. Which, I think it's a great movie. I love it. But it's, it's like perfect for nowadays, too. Yeah. If, if I think it would have been better release now or more popular not better more right. popular now right because most you ask 75% of people even our age if they've seen Jason Amy they haven't no they haven't no it's probably so, Smith's best yeah oh easily 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 it's best uh, but it, it doesn't have all the aspects of a rom-com but it has enough to make it a rom-com right but it it's a, it, it, it is, doesn't have is, your happy ending it doesn't right, have... right it's a different kind of rom-com right it's easily his best script though best script he's yes. ever written best script he's ever written and for some reason when i saw that on there i was like i can't classify that as a rom-com but i think Derek will Hey, IMDb does right. That's what I said. I saw the because I I had to I had to filter the list right. I was like, I got to make sure everything I have is on the list. I'm like, oh, of course, this is there. And then, well, if if you got True Romance on there too, like, it's not it's not <laughs> a rom. I checked. IMDb doesn't have this rom com, okay. or else it would have been on there. Uh, so great movie qualifies for imdb most people haven't seen it if you're listening you have to watch it awesome movie it's back when indie films were big and they right, had right. great well and it was a it was good it was a good indie well done 
Um, you're not going to see a lot of crazy cinematography, but you're going to see a well-written script. Right. So three will just go back to you because I went back to back. So Okay. So now here's my Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore movie. And that is the wedding singer. Yeah. No, I knew it. I knew it. I, I, so I couldn't have two Adam Sandler's on. Right. So that's why I had to choose between the two. There was a lot of debate in the household over it. (laughs) Uh, But go ahead. Wedding singer. Tell us. The wedding singer like knocks it out of the park for the comedy mm-hmm. and then and they get the romance so good i mean just the like having like checking out for wedding like the wedding singers and you have john lovitz up there and it's like he's insane and then you steve end it buscemi. with steve buscemi be- <laughs> Dude. And, and then, then like on the actually airplane. have yeah dude right Billy Idol. You're going to put Billy Idol in the movie. Right? I mean, it is so good. It's not it's not as typical of a rom-com as Fifty First Dates. Right. And I couldn't have two Adam Sandlers on there. Right. So I had to go for the more like sappy you know? Well, this one's sappy though too, because you do have it where he's pining over the girl and she's right, in, right. she's getting married to someone else. Oh, so funny, so good. Oh man, I love wedding singer. The old lady singing rappers delight. Oh yeah, it's a hip hop hip hip hip. It's it's so good. It is so good. It, dude, I don't. Of all the people we just talked about, my favorite part is the boyfriend who <laughs> is like the Don Johnson Miami Vice. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. He's he has like a recurring uh, guest appearances on the TV show The Rookie, and he just not right. he's so hilarious on that so show. So funny, dude. So the only reason and it was tough again because I only wanted to have one Adam Sandler, but Sean Austin and Dan Aykroyd in Fifty First Dates are so funny. Like Sean Austin playing the dude, the kid, he like he's working out, and then he gets caught for steroids. He's like, I love spamming Reese's, and it, it's like so funny. Hey, no one touches Billy Idol. <laughs> So it, that was a tough one. So I had to choose between those two, and I agree with you 100%. We'll put that up there. So number two. Did you do your three? Oh, no. No, my number three. Yeah, yeah. We're number three. So my number three could easily be number one if it had more of the ROM of the ROM-COM. Um, but there is enough romantic to call it a rom-com for IMDb and it's something about Mary because you just don't get any better one of my favorite movies of all time favorite movies of all time 
It's so good. Um, I'm not a gigantic Ben Stiller fan. I do like him. Like, it's he's not someone I I would sit there and watch all day every day, unless it's this movie, because it's just so good from start to finish. The storyline's great. And then you throw Brett Favre in there. Come on, dude. Like, it's so funny. What the hell is Brett Favre doing? Yeah, yeah. what the hell is Brett Favre doing here? Um, Matt Dillon is great in this. Oh, God, he's so good. Like, I mean, it's such a good, it's so funny that it almost pushes too far into the comedy range, which is why I put it at three. Like I said, it could be at number one, but it, it makes me laugh. 95% of the time and 5% of the time is like oh that's that's, that's romantic so uh, I'm putting something about Mary at 3 <laughs> well to do what we had to do before I'll start with <laughs> 2 because my 2 is there's something about Mary oh Jesus that's funny how did the Franks get ahead of the Baines <laughs> it's so funny Oh, but it, it's so much of a comedy, though. It is, but it is about he's trying to get back with the girlfriend. Right, right. The, there's romance to it, right? And the whole um, Chris Elliott in that movie. Oh, oh, he's good. <laughs> no, I don't even know what the guy's name is, dude. But the dude that plays Tucker. It's like, oh, yes, awesome, he's awesome. Yeah, I don't know Tucker, but yeah. Like, he nailed that role. Like, you can't play the crippled architect pizza dude stalker better than he can. Yeah, that was the whole thing is they, every single cast member was perfect for their role. Right, yeah. Magda, I mean. It's great. Yeah, it, it, that it, that could, like I said, could easily be number one. It uh, would have so been my your, number one, but I put more of a romantic movie at one. But so that's your two. Yep. So two, you. Pro- I mean, this might not even be in your top ten, but I have Last Holiday. If you haven't seen Last Holiday, it's Queen Latifah. She has like a, a think she has like a viral sickness, but it's it's a funny movie. She falls in love. It's such a good movie. And I hate to admit it, but it makes me cry every time. Sad movie, but it's about like what you should do with your life and how you should live your life. Like there is no tomorrow. Because you just don't know what tomorrow is. And and it's got oh geez, why did I just forget his name? LL Cool J. LL Cool J. It's got LL Cool J in it, dude. She is her love. Uh and so it's great, dude. It's such a good movie. And it's just one of those movies, it's a feel-good movie, but it's funny, it's romantic, and it has a, a mix and a balance of both. 
but it, like it will pull out your heartstrings and you'll want to watch it over and over and over again. It's great. Number one. Here we go. I'll lead off. It's Wedding Crashers. And it is the funniest romantic comedy that exists. Because it truly has a romantic like into it like that's what it's ultimately about but now you have Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson and let me let me tell you right now Vince Vaughn has to be one of the funniest dudes ever when he gets into his roles and when he gets into some of his lines it's so good when he starts doing his like talking about dating and then Oh my god, it's that movie. I could watch that movie a million times. And it will still be funny every time. And it'll still at the end, or not even at the end, like halfway through, turn into a romantic movie. Because it's comedy, it's romantic. Nothing better than Vince Vaughn talking about motorboating. <laughs> I uh, still what's her name? Uh, uh Isla Fisher. No, the redhead. No, no, no. The, the older redhead woman. Oh, Jane Seymour? Jane Seymour. Dude. So funny. And then you got Christopher Walken. Oh, dude, it's so good, dude. Well, the the five minutes that Will Ferrell is in it. Oh, and Will Ferrell. Oh, dude, don't. Yeah, and that. You, you can't tell me that that five, ten minutes of the movie. Because it's just funny on its own. Like Will Ferrell comes in the movie as Chaz for 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 five ten minutes, dude. It's hilarious. Um, like, where's the meatloaf? <laughs> the whole movie's funny. It's got romance to it. It's got love. It's got everything you want to have, and it's a movie you can watch over and over and over again and never get tired of it. Well, and then I think isn't it really what Bradley Cooper got his start from, dude? And I don't care what people think about Bradley Cooper, but I love him. And I think in that movie, he's awesome. Yeah. He's the complete prick. His name is Sack. Not Zach. Sack. <laughs> <laughs> like, your name's Sack. So, it's just great. That's my number one. That's enough selling it. What do you got? Well, my number one is from the 80s. It's more romance than comedy, but it does have tons of comedy in it. It's Cameron Crowe, uh, John Cusack movie, Say Anything. Say Anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. It's probably one of the most iconic love movies ever. Like... I gave her my heart. She gave me a pen. Right. Like I mean, <laughs> and he talks about kickboxing, the sport of the future. And yeah, I mean, it is there is less funny than than romance, but that's the point. Like rom coms are, you you have a little of both, you have a lot of both, you got a good medium of both. But say anything is probably one of the most iconic movies ever. 
Yeah, just for the boom box. Right. But when you just talk about like this genre, right? When we right. talk about what we're talking about, anybody born in the 80s or 70s or previous will will know that this is one of the most iconic movies. Right. I almost had I almost had serendipity on there because I love John Cusack, dude. Well, I almost because I, I it I think it counts. The other Cusack one I was thinking of. No, it doesn't count. Never mind. It was gross point blank, but it doesn't count. Yeah. I am completely surprised, and maybe it would have been worse. <sighs> Uh, no pretty woman on a top five. I had pretty woman close, but it, so here, if if I don't mention this, I'll be pissed off. I took off my big fat Greek wedding, which I do like. Don't get me wrong, I like the movie. I think it's a great movie. Uh, and she was mad I took that off. But we talk about Julie Roberts, the other movie I took off, which is. To this day, still one of my favorite movies, and I love it, is My Best Friend's Wedding. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. And so I took that one off, too. And that's why this category was so hard. Right. Well, because I had two older movies on mine. Oh. Uh, one was Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yep. And then the other, Steve, this one's probably near and dear to your heart, and I just loved, was Pillow Talk. Oh, I love Pillow Talk, dude. You know how many times I've seen Pillow Talk? Dude, you have no idea. In black and white, just forever. Dude, I saw that movie so many times. And what's crazy is, like, back then, that was, like, a questionable movie, you know? It was like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, you know? And you watch it. I must have watched Pillow Talk when I was a kid. A hundred times. Such a so good. But you know what I I took off that was really tough was Can't Buy Me Love. Do you remember that, dude? You remember oh, I love good, that movie. Remember how good Can't Buy Me Love was? Patrick Dempsey, man. Oh, dude, it was so good. Like they don't make movies like that anymore. Well, they tried to. They re- tried to remake it. Well, uh, yeah, whatever they want to try to do. <laughs> so that was great. This was a tough category. Um, we could have just done top eighties rom coms too. Our right, A-R. like you could have just you, yeah, you could definitely break it down. Uh, which is why I had to throw in. Uh, 16 Candles, of course, right? Because you got to have one from back then. But really, when you look at it, like the 90s was the best time. Like the 90s was the best time for rom-coms. Like they were killing it. They were doing a good job in the 90s. Well, one is, um, I want to see what year it came out. But for me... The other one that was super iconic was, yeah, 1989 when Harry met Sally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that got, I mean, ratings-wise, that kills it, which 
I mean, I, I like the movie. I'm not a huge Billy Crystal fan. Love Meg Ryan. Love Meg Ryan. So, I mean, I, I could, I definitely like throw it in there. It is an odd combination because I don't wouldn't see Billy Crystal with a Meg Ryan. No, because you know who I like. I like Tom or Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan. Yeah, like give me some You Got Mail, dude. Give me some Sleepless in Seattle. Right. I mean those those movies like I can get on board with. I like Meg Ryan with Anthony Edwards. Give me some Top Gun. Yeah, give me some Top Gun. <laughs> Oh, she's so good in Top Gun. I love her in Top Gun. Uh, so yeah, there there is a there are so many movies. It's really hard to pick. Oh my gosh, we're forgetting the most important Tom Hanks Meg Ryan movie. And if Wes was here, he would tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Joe versus the volcano. Joe versus the volcano. Let me see. Make sure that's. Rom-com, boom. Yep, that was one of the first, one of the early movies I saw in theaters. I was really young when I saw that. You'd have been 12. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I, I remember seeing that. I was actually in uh, Canada. I saw that at Whistler, Blackcomb, when oh, I was skiing. Nice. That was cool. Uh, great topic though like this was a hard one and so I'm glad we uh, we got to explore rom-coms that was fun alright well we'll wrap it up here you guys have any comments questions you want to hear a, a new top 5 love to hear it because uh, eventually we'll run a top 5 so we need your comments. And we'll just have to go down every actor and do top five. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Holly already told me that's what she wants us to do next. She's like, you have too many on your list. Like, break it down by actor. <laughs> so, we're always going to have a sports for you. We're always going to have an act, a movie, movie, some type of movie. Or TV or something. TV, something for you. Um, so appreciate you guys watching don't forget to subscribe and like if you listen on anchor uh, spotify apple podcast appreciate you guys listening uh we'll see you next time